This podcast was recorded live in London at the ICAD conference. I'm Aaron Huey. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. There's a viral video going out right now, uh, and it's Tuesday, May 7th. I'm in London. There's a viral video going on right now for the past week of a bunch of workers gathering in a small warehouse uh, for active shooter scenario training, and they get ready to go through it, and the HR person or someone who's in charge of the meeting says, I've brought in a guest speaker to talk about it. And a 10-year-old girl walks in the room. And the, 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 the employees start to, to laugh and snicker a little bit. And then she starts talking, and by the end of it, they're crying. I posted it on my Facebook page. And uh, it's intense. It's amazing. There's something about the girl as she's talking. You get the feeling that she's been through it. And I'm not talking about an active shooting in a school. I'm talking about she's been through the training. She's 10. When you put a child in a school building where all the posters on the walls are telling them that they have to recycle or the earth is going to perish, and then on the news they hear, we got 10 more years before it's unsustainable. Don't smoke or it's going to kill you. Drugs are bad. If your parents are hurting you, call this number. And if a shooter does this, don't cry because then the shooter will know where you are. We are setting these kids up for trauma and grief. And then, what if something happens that's so devastating that the body and the mind can't work together to process it. Uh, I have Kathleen Parrish with us here at the at ICAD talking about complex grief. Kathleen, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. So let's talk about complex grief because as you and I were talking off the air, it's different than regular grief. So what is complex grief and how is it different? So most people understand grief and we all have an experience where we've grieved a loved one or we've grieved a loss. Um, It's usually, uh, when we talk about traditional ideas of grief, it it represents um, maybe an anticipated loss, the loss of an elderly parent or a grandparent or uh, sort of an an expected loss. But complex grief really stems from um, factors that make it real difficult for someone to recover. Usually it's a loss that someone didn't anticipate. Often complex grief is woven in with trauma. So you really have a blending of what we would know as post-traumatic stress disorder and grief. And it makes it very difficult. And I think uh, related to what you were saying a few minutes ago, um, we see complex grief really emerging um, with the increase in mass shootings and bombings in the escalation in uh, violent experiences in our, in our uh, culture. Does it help to deal with complex grief, to process complex grief, if we are preparing children? You said you have a middle schooler. Both my kids are out of college. But... As we know, one of my kids is in Barcelona. There was a terrorist attack in Barcelona. We're in London. There's been train attacks. I live in the U.S. You live in the U.S. There are school shootings. Um, 
recent attacks in on in mosques or in in uh, uh, um, uh, you know Jewish temples. I, I mean, we're really starting to feel the effects of terrorism, be it. Uh, of uh, a terrorist of your own country or terrorist of other countries, does it help to prepare? Does it help the body to, to, does it help you to survive if you study survival tactics? Well, I think that, yes, I think we, we have to educate our children in, a, in you feel, I feel very sad to think about that idea of sending my middle schooler off to school and we have to understand what would happen if somebody came in with a gun to try and hurt them in a place that we would formally have thought of as really safe, right? And that's an implied grief for us, too, that we now have to change the way we think about our schools, about movie theaters, about churches, places that we would go for recreation, for peace, for relaxation, uh, a sanctuary. And um, and so it's it's frightening to think about that, but I also think we have to be prepared, and our children have to know if they're going to survive should the worst event possible happen. So complex grief. When something tragic happens suddenly, it's harder to heal. Yes. How come? What, what's, what, in, internally, what's going on in the psyche that's making complex grief different than... You saw this death coming for a long time. The whole family has been around it, and then they die. So I think the thing that complicates somebody's recovery from an episode of of loss like that is that complex grief feels different and looks different. It's something that doesn't make sense. We don't have a frame of reference for it. We can't say, um, well, this makes sense, or uh, I expected this. It's the thing that, that doesn't fit. It's the thing that... Uh, you typically see people struggling with survivor's guilt, right? That I should have, if only I had, um, if I would have known, I would have done this or that differently. You see a lot of blame. There's also an interesting phenomena that they're noticing with complex grief recovery is it has an addictive quality about it, right? That, that people who have complex grief tend to over and over again repeat the incident of loss in their mind and um, and thus escalating the symptoms. When you say when you say <clears throat> addictive quality, mm-hmm. that immediately tells me that there's some sort of reward system going on in the brain mm-hmm. um, by recreating the experience, reliving the experience, focusing on on the emotions of the experience. What's the reward? I don't know if it's a reward as much as it it. Um, perpetuates that negative belief underneath that that parents often have or that survivors have when there's a school shooting, this is somehow my fault. It's my responsibility. It's that thing that stems from survivor's guilt. But addiction tends to to point towards chemical changes in the brain. Is there something going on with complex grief that's doing that? In terms of a reward system? Yes. I think that the reward system, here's what I really believe. I believe that that propensity to to, um, continue to process that over and over and repeat the events in our mind is a way of trying to keep alive the memory of the person, right? It's a way of keeping them connected. So when you think about grief, we think about those common things we say to people, right? We got to move on. We got to let that person go. We got to say goodbye. We have ceremonies to let the person go. And in fact, what we really need to do is create a link between the person we lost and the person who remains. That's how people heal is by carrying that person forward with them, right, of allowing opportunities 
for people to um, to say this person mattered, they lived, they existed, right? And and often we don't do that. We want to close that down. We want to shut that door. So I do think that that function of repeating that over and over is the brain's way of trying to keep that person alive or keep that memory, even though it's painful, going. And it's trying to make sense of that loss. So this is powerful. So now I'm understanding that complex grief, that this idea of, because it happens suddenly, and we had we, we, we felt no control in the experience, that by keeping the experience going, we're keeping these friends, this family member that was taken suddenly, perhaps violently, um, we're keeping them alive, which is allowing us to avoid the feelings of pain, of guilt, of shame. How, in a therapeutic process, do you get them to let go and allow the happy memories, the positive memories, and process the pain of the sudden, uh, uh, the sudden experience. How do you how do you how do you juggle all of those things? So I think one of the things that I want to tend to do as as a therapist is I really want to honor that that pain and that loss, and I want to acknowledge it. And often we don't do that. We can, we have a lot of platitudes we say when there's a loss, right? Um, um, we, we want to say it's uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. We care about you. We love you. It, you know, it'll, it'll get better, all of those things. Um, but when a parent's lost a child in a school shooting, is their life ever going to be the same? Are they ever going to really move on from that? You know, a lot of times, just to, just to interject real quick, a lot of times we tell parents who are saying things like, you know, oh my, eh, they threaten suicide often and it's just a cry for help. It's just a cry for help. It's always a cry for help. Mm-hmm. Every single time. We right. know this as yes. therapists. This right. is a cry for help. What I tell parents on top of that, I said, yes, you're right. And what I know from parents who have lost their children to murder or to suicide, it's not something you get over. No. It's something you learn to live with. So how do you teach someone to live with a sudden death mm-hmm. of a family member or a parent to live with a sudden death of a child mm-hmm. or a child to live with a sudden death, death of a friend? Mm-hmm. Literally yesterday, I have one of my former uh, 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 students talking to me about how last week a friend of his suddenly took his life. No one saw it coming. Right. And he's, all I can do is be honest with him. It's like, yes, this happened. Mm-hmm. Yes, this happened. Be, a, I'm not a therapist. And B, I know that that's the first thing he's got to, to mm-hmm. get through is mm-hmm. that this is happening. Mm-hmm. This is life. Mm-hmm. How do you... How do you work someone through complex grief? So I want to really take a look at what did that person mean to them? What does this loss mean to them? To ask them, what did you love most about that person? Tell me more about that person. Often we don't ask those kind of questions. We, we don't want to know because in truth, we're scared that's going to happen to us. right? So we want to avoid, we want to just say nice things and hope to God they move through. But the fact is, if we can allow ourselves to honor the space that person took and we allow them to have a link to that person that passed away, linking is a really powerful way that people recover from complex grief. They need to have a link between the person who died and the person that they are now and carry that person forward with them rather than leave that person behind. That person will always be with you. How do we create that link that allows them to to go forward in their life with this really catastrophic loss? And that is healthier than replaying the traumatic event yes. because? So replaying the traumatic event 
allows us, it keeps us stuck in the shock and in the pain and in the destruction and in the trauma of the loss. But connecting with the beauty of who that person was, the essence of their being, what space did they take up that was positive, allows us to honor their life rather than to be stuck in the trauma of their death. Right? Um, that, that in truth we want to honor the beauty that, that, that was there with them rather than the horror of their loss so of the way they went out. I get this now. So we're saying that the person was trying to keep them alive. Yes. That's not the problem. Right. It's the how, yes. the content. Right. The context is good. Yes. The content that they're using is not. Right, right, right. And part of that, part of that, you know, replaying things is also how the brain adjusts to the lost. It's trying to make sense of the, something. We're trying to create a file in our brain for something that we don't have a file for. And so we are trying over and over again to make sense, and we replay it and replay it, hoping that somehow we can fit it into our understanding of the world. But in truth, it perpetuates our symptoms of trauma and grief and sadness about that loss. There will always be that sadness. There will always be that vacancy for that, for that person. Um, but uh, finding that link and that connection, the beauty and who that person was and the wonderful space that they occupied in our lives. Okay, so you do this work primarily at Cottonwood Tucson or you are a, a, a private practitioner? Both. Okay, gotcha, good. Both in my private practice and at Cottonwood. We see people with really complex um, histories of loss and grief and helping them to find a link to really honor their loss, to talk about it openly, to talk about their sadness and how very hard it is and to not rush them through that but to allow them to take as much time as they need to be with that. And it, that might take a very long time, and it might be every single day. And that's how we get better. If, if you are, as a parent listening, if you want to know uh, whether your child's just got grief or complex grief, first of all, is establishing that definition important? I think so. I, I think that when we can really wrap our brains around that this isn't an ordinary grief. You know, I mean, if you look at research, it says maybe a year for grief to resolve, right? And I'm, I'm saying resolve in, in a skeptical way. I don't know if grief really goes away as much as we integrate it. But complex grief may go on and on. And so, um, you know, identifying symptoms of complex grief, sometimes it can look a lot like PTSD. And sometimes there are elements of both woven in there. So really getting a true assessment done helps us to know how best to support our loved one. Just for a quick refresher for listeners, can you give some basic signs of PTSD? So uh-huh. if they're looking at their kid uh-huh. acting out, and they're uh-huh. like, what is this? Are right. they just being a jerk? What are some basics of PTSD? So if we're looking at children with PTSD, it often looks different than adults. Children can have higher rates of aggression, impulsivity, sleep difficulties, nightmares, kids don't have the words to talk about what they're feeling and it's I'll tell you it's terrifying for kids when I drop my son off at school and they've had a lockdown at their school (coughs) we're sharing a cold here (laughs) (coughs) that it's terrifying for them and they don't understand it so we have to help them understand it we have to sometimes give them the words but children have different symptoms of PTSD so looking for things like are they having frequent nightmares do they have changes in appetite do they cry more often, more easily? Are they more irritable, more impulsive, angrier? Um, do they tend to have darker thoughts? You know, people with complex grief are at higher rates of suicide. And so those are things we need to be very careful with in our assessment. So if you suspect that your kid or your child is having symptoms of complex grief, it's important to get a professional to help you assess that. Talk about uh, how someone can contact you. Do you do telehealth? Uh, <coughs> work with uh, uh, clients how can someone work with you directly 
So I, um, you know, at Katma Tucson, um, we we offer <laughs> residential treatment um, for co-occurring disorders and primary behavioral health. In so, adults or children? Uh, in adults, okay. eighteen on up, and um, in uh, in my private practice, um, uh, I'm a, you can find me in the in directories. Um, online. Do you have a website that you can talk about? I, I don't. Okay, what about an email address if someone can get in touch with you? My email address is kparish at cottonwoodtucson.com Alright, Kathleen. Uh, thank you. Thank thanks you for so helping much. with this one. This is yeah. a good topic. Yeah, uh, folks, thanks so much. We will talk again next week. This podcast was sponsored by the International Conference of Addiction and Associated Disorders and always supported by Mental Health News Radio and brought to you by Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. Thanks so much for listening. Parents, remember, you take care of yourselves first, you take care of your adult relationships second, and you take care of your children third because in that way we do our best work with our children. All my love to Kristen Walker, the boss goddess at Mental Health News Radio Network. Please check out all of our shows at Mental Health News Radio Network at mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com. You can find me on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all the social media platforms. You can email me at Aaron at FireMountainPrograms.com. If you have any questions about your child and need of treatment, please contact Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center at 303-443-3343, extension 204. The assessment and that phone call is free. Thanks so much for listening, and thank you, parents, for making Beyond Risk and Back the number one parenting podcast in Colorado. We'll see you next week.